Hello and welcome to Let's Create the Podcast. And this week we've got a fabulous artist, a wonderful photographer, landscape photographer called Ruth Grindrod. And she shoots everywhere, in all conditions, but a lot of her work is very meditative and very calming, peaceful and just sublime use of colour in her photography. We have a good talk about pretty much her photography, her style, and I try and get some questions in to, to find out more about what Ruth loves to shoot and the fantastic images she makes. This episode marks the end to the first series, 12 episodes. Now, I've done it this way because the aim for this podcast was just to do 12 in a year. So join me on this last podcast of this series, Series 1, and then look out for Series 2, because boy oh boy have I got some photography talk for you. Some of the finest again. I'm so pleased with some of the people that have agreed to even talk to little old me. So without further ado, there you go, I've said it. Let's uh, hit play and listen to what the wonderful photographer Ruth Grindrod has to say. Oh, don't forget, visit her website at ruthgrindrodlandscapephotography.co.uk. You really, really have to go and see this lady's work. She is wonderful. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in Series 2. Hello and welcome to Let's Create, the photography show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't. <laughs> oh, your photography does that just enough. That's uh, Thank you very we don't much. we don't need out stupid. I know I say silly at the end of every video, but for me lately, it's all getting uh, it's all getting more about the photography anyway. That's that's why you're here, Ruth. That's why I've asked. It's a pleasure for finally speak to you. Thank you. Because your work's fantastic. It, it truly is beautiful work of all. A massive variety. I'm not going to get carried away though here because I've got. I always say this. I show everyone just a few, a few just, questions. Running, <laughs> running out the door. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing this because okay, uh, no I know it's unusual for for a lot of people who have asked for it to come on. And um, like I said, I want to speak to photographers, not just the showbiz, if you like, not just yeah. uh, vloggers, as they call them, but real out in the field, talented like yourself, photographers. Thank you. So I, I, I don't do an intro. I just let it kind of flow in. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever suits you. Yeah. So I, I'll just run through these questions. I'm a bit nervous, actually, because... I'm all, I'm always nervous. I always say this. I'm, I'm always nervous when I do oh, these. Just talk, Amali, so. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some of your of your of your work, you know, your YouTube things, and you've always come across as very talk as, as very confident. And of course, she's got that very attractive accent. Now, am I going to make a mistake? Is it Yorkshire or is it Lancashire? Oh, I'm glad you've said is it is it this or is it the other? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm classed as Lancastrian, but I'm in okay. Mer- I'm in Merseyside. Oh, right. So you're in Liverpool. So, well, this is the thing. I come from a place called Haydock and it's quite broad and we're not Scouse, but we're only 18 miles away from the city centre of Liverpool. Oh, I can hear it when you say Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. yeah. You've got a van, Mally, with your name on it. Have I? No, no, I want a van. (laughs) Oh, it was really funny because I was in Applecross once. Right. Um... And it was probably a couple of years ago. You know how we've all lost track of whenever I know. with COVID. Yeah. And I'm sure I saw a van with your name on it. So I don't know whether somebody's impersonating you, but it clearly wasn't you. I must have misread it. But it was a photographer. Oh, and wow. And it all plastered all over the van. And I thought, I wonder if that's that guy on Facebook, but I must have misread it from a distance. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I hope it's not an imposter, although they wouldn't get very far in pausing as me. 
anyway, let's start your questions. Yeah, it, so obviously I've I've looked at your stuff many times. I, I think actually goes back quite a while that I've I've been accustomed to seeing your photography, maybe long before I started all the shenanigans on social media and and doing what I, I do now. I, I remember seeing your work and I, I've been on your website and of, of course you've got, so ladies and gentlemen, a Scottish Nature Photographer of the Year 2019. Yeah. That's that's Ruth's huge achievements, wonderful and a great, a great image. Scottish Landscape Sea and Coast category winner 2019 as well. That's quite some achievement. I don't think it's the first time as well, is it? You've done it. Have you done it a couple of times? I've not won it overall. I've I've been shortlisted a lot. I've been runner up a lot. But yeah. Win it. I won it in the the worst year of all time, of course, because yeah. it was right at the beginning of COVID. So I was really, really delighted. And given how we were all feeling, they yeah. rang up and they said, oh, you've won the Sea and Coast. And I went, oh, brilliant. And they went, hang on, you've won the whole competition. <gasps> so wow. that's what was, you know, and, and actually it was a shame that year because, of course, I would have gone to the exhibitions, but they, were, of course, were all cancelled. Like, so yeah. it had to be, didn't it? So. Yeah, could have got glad rags on and gone to the. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a shame. You've missed that. Is well deserved as well because, uh, not just that image. I think many images that you've got. I've made okay. a few made a few notes of, of okay. ones that have jumped out at me. But like most photographers, they have quite unusual names or the the link to nature in some way. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background and, and okay. where, you, where you come from. OK, well, um, I started off basically taking photos in my 20s. I used um, a Nikon FE2. And wow. in those days we were using film, weren't we? Yeah. But at the same time, I was teaching in London. And so I got the uh, the bug. You know, I really liked using the camera. Uh, I learned how to develop, you know, film. Yes. It was a case of blacking up your little flat. I had this council flat in Greenwich and basically it was all blacked up in the kitchen so I could do the processing. I mean, I think people thought I was a drug dealer or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Curtains drawn all day. She's a nutcase. Um, <laughs> but that's how I sort of got the bug. But then you will know as work carries on and you get older, work takes over. Yeah. But then suddenly in my 50s, I was able to retire early. Um, and at that point, I was inspecting schools, and the previous to that, I'd been ahead. And I was like, wow. thanking God. Thank you, God, I can return, I can absolutely retire from this hell that is going to kill me. Um, yeah. And as I then, you know, retired, I went back seriously to photography. And obviously then I was using digital. I mean, I've still got the FE2 actually, and I often think about getting it out and playing with it a bit really. Yeah. yeah. But the yeah. thing I'd like to say for your listeners is that I look back to when I started again. And I, one of the things that I believe in is I believe in keeping a lot of images and a lot of images that are not necessarily good images. And sometimes I go back and I think to myself, what was I thinking of, particularly with the processor? Yeah. I mean, I look at the process and I think, oh my God, this is just terrible, absolutely terrible. And people, uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's to do with being a woman, maybe it's to do with being in education, but the point I'm really making is I've learned an awful lot from all of the mistakes that I have made. Yes. And I just think that's the key learning process. And one of the things I do at the moment is I do quite a lot of one-to-one -one teaching online of people learning photography. And oh, I get them to do these really boring, basic drills. And I can see them thinking, why is she telling me to go out and see what part of my lens is the sharpest if it's a zoom lens? And I'm saying, because you're going to need to know that out in the field. You need to know whether it's F11 or F8 and, you know, how your lens functions. Yeah. If that's what you're going to use so for me um 
it was really about getting back into it in my 50s and then um, working hard, working hard, Mally. You know, yeah. I, I look at things now and I think, yeah, you can improve that. And the thing that I've learned most from is I've had a couple of exhibitions and the work involved in printing the prints, me printing the prints, yeah. Yeah. is phenomenal. So we all post something that somebody looks at on the phone and we go, oh, yeah, wonderful. All of yeah. us all do it. I'm, I'm not criticising that. We all do it. Yeah. But when you then come to print, then, of course, all the minutiae comes out, you know? That's when it starts. All, yeah, all the nuances. You have to go, well, hang on, that bit of light isn't quite there and I'm not quite sure of the colour in this particular area. And you have to really map out how are you going to get that really good print? And to me, my belief is um, getting that really good print is the final bit of the photography goal. And yes, I think yes. it's really important. Yes, it's another edit. It's another, Absolutely. it's starting again from scratch, really. I, I, I don't profess to know. I, I've been a graphic designer for 25, right. 25 years and right. I've, commercial print on big HP, Indigo and uh, Heidelberg, uh, four colour, five colour presses. Uh, and most of that's quite flat, plain, just brands, logo, brochures, etc., like that. <gasps> so that's, <laughs> that's a completely different thing to find out, especially like you say, when you're doing it at home, it is like starting again and learning again, because you you post it online and you're using the light through your screen and that's all good and well. And then when it comes off that, I've got a cheap printer because well, it's, just, it's a starting thing for me at home printing. I used to send everything off or I'd get someone else to print it. And I've never been truly happy. You know, no, I know. So. And, and, and it's true, you know, even the big names, which I won't mention. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, they can't see or understand nuances that you might want. And so when you do it yourself, the other thing I think it really does is somebody the other day wanted to buy one of my prints, which I hadn't looked at online for a long time. It was a, a woman in Scotland and um, she said to me, I really, really like this picture and I really want to buy it at A2. And I said, oh, okay. But when I then looked back at it, I thought, aha, right, you're going to have to tweak this and you're going to have to just alter this. And yeah. do you see what I mean? It, it then improves your processing as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you're refining something that's okay or good. You're then refining it. So it's much better. And it's something people want to look at in a frame on the wall. The delicacy, the the um, the way your images come across to me, it's like um, <laughs> it's almost like a magician's trick that you've not touched them, but I can see there's a lot of work has gone into those, but it's so delicate and gently editing, um, ham fisted I was, boom, like we all do. <laughs> You know, you, oh, no, don't worry, I've done that too. I've now, done now that. and again, I'll go back and I'll do it again because it's fun. It is fun, isn't it? You know, just pushing things a little. But uh, of late, I've uh, I said this on the interview with, with the chat with Thomas that I've got into chaos. Yes, I saw some of that. I saw some of that with your yeah. freeze and things like that you've been yeah. looking at, haven't you? Yeah. yeah I don't I'm, online at those. That's your fault. <laughs> Oh, is it? How is that my fault? Well, a lot, a lot of your images are, are spectacularly full of interest, but uh, okay. delicately, deli delicately edited um, with chaos. Yes, there is, there is uh, formation and shape, and you can work out structures and composition. But quite a lot of your work is painterly and and quite. Um, it's just filled with detail and and that chaos and. That fascinates me lately. It, it started with um, leaves, just say before winter, and oh, right. uh, just before they were they were just changing colour. And uh, of course, I've never been to Scotland, and I see I see a lot of your work, and I think, oh, oh I've got to go. You've not been to Scotland at all, Mary. Never, <gasps> never, 
Right. And so is that because you're working all the time and you've got commitments or is yeah. it? Yeah, uh, I just can't get there. But uh, I'm hoping this year I've been given an opportunity that I might be able to go for four days to um, uh, Lewis. Oh, okay. fing- fingers crossed. Well, what I would say to you, if you can get to Lewis, then you'll not be disappointed. But I just hope that you get whether you can stand up in, because that is the only issue with the heavy beam. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and I've I always go for quite a period of time because it's such a long way from me here yeah. in yeah. Norfolk. It takes like God, God knows, it's seven hundred miles anyway. But if you've got some bad weather over a two week period, you can live with it. But a short period, you know, you want to get out there. So your biggest tripod, every piece of wet weather gear you've got, take it all. But Having said that, I went in October once yeah. and the locals said, you've got the summer. So I had the exact opposite. I had summer conditions in mid-October. So wow. the climate is different. You know, you never know now. You just yeah. never know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. It was snowing uh, uh, this week yeah. in the Lake District. Yeah, yeah. Bonkers. Really and the snow depths are closed in Inverness and on the border with Avonmore today. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, good for us, like, if we can get there safely or, or you can get around. Uh, how's that been for you? Because I've seen you shooting local coast. You, you're not far from the coast where you are. No, no, I'm not far. Yeah. Um, I mean, travelling around, you know, the immediate area, that's yeah. fine. Travelling a long distance, what I've now decided is an age thing, Mally, and, you know, um, I can't do that three days traveling, three days shooting, and then come home. It's just all too much. So I spend longer and I'm able to do that now um, because I don't have those commitments that I used to have. Uh, And I find that isn't as tiring and you're not as pressurized because one of the things that I think is really important is people say, oh, I'm going to go and visit such and such. And they visit a particular area. And then when they're there, they do things like, right, well, I'm getting on to the next place and now the next place on the list. And I don't really like doing that. I like going back to some of the beaches again and again. Yes. Because you've got different lights, you've got different tides and you've got different weather and yeah. you get to know the bit of beach that you're on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not a sort of tick list, tick off the, the major iconic sites. I like to spend a bit of time in places. We're very similar in that way. I'm not bothered about ticking off at all. And uh, I've got the West Coast here with Farmby and places like that. There's nothing of interest. It's very stark, huge, massive beaches, but it's wonderful. It's great fun. Great fun. So, yeah, I'm not that bothered about ticking off. But Scotland, yeah, I've got to, I've got to go, really. Haven't I? Yeah, but you like, have to go. And once you yeah. go, you keep going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I certainly, I think I will. I have with the Lake District, haven't I? It's really got a grip on me. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, the thing about the lakes for me um, is that I've often been in the autumn um, and I've captured things, you know, at ground level. I'm, You know, there's no way I would be um, up for two and a half thousand feet or a thousand feet up. Oh. These days, I mean, I know there are people that can do it, but one of the things that I talk about quite a bit in photography, particularly as a woman, is that if you can't climb two and a half thousand feet, it doesn't actually mean that you can't take good landscape photos. And I think that's a really important point. It shouldn't just be a young man's game. No, Um, not at all. it, It should be, you know, if you've got somebody that shoots their local area, but shoots it really, really well and doesn't endanger their life or limbs, great. Um, And often, you know, since COVID, it's been really interesting because I've shot the local area far more than I've ever done before. And I've refined shots and I've gone back to different places in different lights and different weathers. And it's been good. I've learned from that. Yeah, but getting in key with nature as well and the seasons and the changing of everything. Yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. it just, it's endless, isn't it? You know, yeah. 
Uh, we kind of told we need to go here, go there, and we've got sometimes we've got everything on our doorstep. It's just being able to to just find it, isn't it? You know, like you say yeah. about honing in on the composition. Yeah. Uh, there's a tree I shoot, and it changes constantly, and it's the same place. Mm-hmm. Every time I go, it's different, and every sunset or, or the weather. Yeah, you, you've got some glorious places down down Norfolk, Dorney. You've got some beautiful scenery. Uh, young Jamie, uh, Jamie Overland always texts to Mick because he says it's just so flat. Uh-huh. I, I quite like that as well. I think you know, but we we went down to the Fens as well. Oh, yeah, the wow. Fens really is flat. <laughs> oh, fantastic! What a place. I mean, there's some gradients in Suffolk and Norfolk, but there's not even a gradient in yeah. the Fens. I yeah. mean, it really is flat. Yeah, yeah, beautiful places. They really are. I've got to get down there more, I think, especially to the coast. I mean, I think, I think again, the North Norfolk coast, if you come in the summer, forget it. It's just overrun yeah. by yeah. extremely wealthy, interestingly enough, extremely <laughs> wealthy. Wow. We've got second homes there now. Their second homes start at two and a half million. So you get the picture, exactly. Mm. Um, but if you go in the winter, that's the time. The light changes all of the time. The tides are really great. Um, because you know they come in and out pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. You've got less people to hassle you, and you've got places to stay that are not as expensive as they now. Are. I mean, it never used to be like that, Manny. I mean, yeah, forty yeah. years ago, it was a you know two bit couple of fishing villages, but it's celeb country now. So. Wow! Wow! I, know. I, I didn't realise that. I still thought no. it was quite a sleepy, you know, fishing area and. No, I mean, they, um, you've never seen so many Range Rover discoveries <laughs> in your life. <laughs> I haven't got one of those, I can assure you. I've got a Skoda Yeti. <laughs> oh, a belting car for sleeping in. <laughs> yeah, a Skoda Yeti. I've slept it back on them a couple of times. We went to France and uh, knocking around with a, a, young, a young gentleman a few years ago. Yeah, it was good fun. They can do some miles there, can't can't they? Cracking, cracking car. I'm just gonna lock here because I have we have gone off. It's good for just chat though. It is really well. I thought I'll, I've written all these questions. I may as well try and get get at least one or two in. Absolutely. I put I used to print commercially, and we've covered that. It's it's it always fascinates me when I do this that naturally we end up covering questions that I've I've written. Yeah, yes. Um, I don't believe in being stuck in one style. And I think you're the same. Um, so you know what? What? what so yeah, put, a, go on. The sorry. style issue. You mean to talk about style? Well, it, I, I've yeah. got a particular view about style, and there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me. Yeah. Um, but you've probably guessed from talking with me. I don't care if they disagree with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're entitled to their view as I'm entitled to mine. I think what's happened with style in photography is that it's become quite fashionable to have a set style. And I don't particularly like the set style. I mean, if somebody said, well, Ruth's style is coastal photography, I would agree with that. I'm a good, coastal photographer and it's where I'm happiest the most it's like if you take somebody like um uh Mark Littlejohn his work in the lakes with the trees and the woodland is fantastic and I always see him in that particular way but what I would say about style is that you know if I'm in Lewis or I'm in the Lake District the style has to be different yeah. because the two landscapes are different. Yes. And so therefore you're putting your mark on the landscape, you're interpreting it in some way. And I, I also don't want somebody to look at my website and click through and go, yes, they're all the same or they've all got the same hue. Or I want the pictures to basically follow on and have some cohesion, but mm-hmm. I don't like the sort of, they've all got to have a template style. Yeah. I know people will disagree and I know people do disagree, but you know, that's how I work. Yeah, I'm glad you've said that. 
because it is challenging and I think it's restrictive. I hate being restricted. Um, uh-huh. I like being free with what I take and what I do. And I can see that in your work, that it's just the freedoms there and, and you are being influenced by what's happening, weather, yes. uh, yeah. the landscape itself, nature, uh, seasons yeah. and all that. It, it, it's got to be different. It, it, I think, I think almost uh, some things can become so good. I've seen a lot of photography lately that is so big and and moving water and fantastical skies and mountains and and they are uh, incredible images, but they get lost when you've seen twenty incredible images one after the other after the other formulated. Mm-hmm the same formula, the same thing. It's almost like you could take 20 photographers. You've all took the same picture, but they're not. They're all different places. And actually, that's interesting. You should mention that because when it comes to processing, I tend not to use presets. Now, I'm not saying that in the workflow that, you know, I don't do the sorts of things like, you know, black points and white points and looking at exposure. Of course I do all of that, but I don't go, ah, right, here is my dark preset or here is my coastal preset because I've just come back from Han Stanton from being there last week. Yes. we had a lot of big, big tides and sunsets. And and so therefore, a preset wouldn't have worked for that. You know, we didn't have a winter sky. We had summer type sunset um, situations. And so therefore they had to be processed accordingly. Yes, Um, yes. And that had to be represented within the end product, e.g. the process. It's not a production line, is it? You see, Correct. you know, every image I start from scratch. Yeah. And, and some people have said to me, well, you don't, I don't apply anything. I start from the beginning. I have a process where I worm it down to the ones that are sharp for a start off. Unless it's, unless it's intentional and we want, we want movement in it. Uh, but you, you edit a lot in Photoshop and, and I find that fascinating because um, I, I I love Photoshop, but I was always uh, going away from it with my photography, and I've now rekindled that and gone back into it. So you you use uh, Adobe Camera Raw and then straight into Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the sorry, go on. no, no, go on, go on. Okay, the, the all of the basics is done in Camera Raw. Yeah, and. I use Camera Raw and not Lightroom. It isn't because I think the software is any better. In fact, they're the same almost. It's just that I can't bear the catalogue system of Lightroom. I'm not one of those people that goes, right, I'm colour coding everything with blue in it or everything with the bench in it. You know, I can't bear all the spreadsheet type stuff. I'm just not that sort of geeky person. So I have a really simple system. You see, I use Bridge and I'll have my years and my months. And within that, then it will have, you know, Hans Stanton, April 21, the raw, the process, and the print they're all kept um within the files like that and then i use bridge and camera raw does all the basics but it can do a lot more than that now you know using localized adjustment brushes in in camera raw using range masks you can do an awful lot and then in photoshop the real work that i do in photoshop is done with selections and layers and curves I don't drop skies in and you know import trees from six other photos um I do convert in black and white in photoshop as well uh so it it's it's a question of refining the image so looking at perhaps a, a a brightish area in one of the photos and using a curve and a different blend mode just to refine that's that's the word i've used again and again yeah, yeah. just to refine parts of that image and i take it back into camera raw and check things like my blacks and my whites 
um, and see if there's anything else pre-sharpening camera raw and then finally sharpen with smart sharpening photoshop that's that's basically how i work a fantastic process that's great yeah i can completely get you with that do, do you do a lot of layering with the images where you you, you say selective areas um say using dissolve or using different I, I love the fact in photoshop that you can add that um uh, transparency and yeah. just take pick, brush pieces away and that's right i do that on certain parts i mean i was doing something today and i thought there's a little bit of a hot spot to where the sun had gone down on the waves and i just needed to select and just basically brush away a little bit of that you know hot spot that little bit of light that was just attracting the eye which i didn't want it to do in this part of the photo so yeah i, I do do that that's definitely what attracts me to your photography that attention to detail subtle a subtle edit that um is a lot of work and I, I'll tell you one of the tricks that I learned um, from somebody, and I can't remember who it was now, but anyway, somebody taught me, um, look at your photo really small on your screen when you think you've finished it. Yeah. So zoom out, not zoom in, zoom yes. out. So you've got like a post-it size. Because yeah. when you do do that, it sort of concentrates the photo yes. and somehow or another you go what's that in the right hand corner i'm not happy that about bright, that bright bright yeah. or dark yeah or, or something that isn't just working whereas when you have yeah. it large on a screen then your head's going round and you're looking do you see what i'm saying but <laughs> it's brilliant yeah. and, yeah. and just zooming out looking at it as a small image and then coming back and doing more work if you need to yeah, well, you've mentioned coastal, and um, I've put here as well. Uh, your approach is very organic, and and do you do a lot of planning? Is there a lot of planning goes into your shoot, or do you just let nature? Do you just okay. let it happen? Well, all of um, tide times, yeah, all of yes, the time. of course, and yeah. We've all got a tide time app, and I use that all of the time. I do use um, the photographers emphasis yeah. from time to time yeah. just to see where the light's going to be um in a particular area in a particular month um and i try if i'm local um to visit and think okay because it was interesting because i went to caster um this winter caster in norfolk and yeah. you may have seen lots of pictures um on facebook where there's these zigzag groins at caster yes yes well i went trailing along to caster bitterly cold <laughs> and i i thought well there must be something wrong with you Ruth. you know there's no zigzag groins and there weren't any zigzag groins because the storms and the sand had covered them up wow. and so if I hadn't have done that sort of recce yeah. a couple of days before, I'd have turned up for dawn, been walking up and down the beach, and it would have been an entire waste of time. So if you can, I mean, when I visit places like Harris and Lewis and places that are a long way away, that's why I said to you, I think, okay, I'm going to go to this beach, but then I'm going to come back the day after next, and I'm mm -hmm. going to go to a different part and then i'm going to spend a bit more time at a different time of day that's the sort of prep that yeah. i do yeah. Um, yeah obviously local prep you get to know particular areas you know when the sun comes up you know what isn't going to work you know but when you're a farther away from home you just have to do what you can yeah yeah fantastic yeah hey yeah there's so much that people say that you've got to do. There's so many ways and, and what have you. And at the end of it all, it's just what suits, isn't it? And especially if you've got your information there, like your eye tied up. Um, I've been going out to a wreck that's a mile out. Uh, at all a right. place at Hoylake. 
uh, right. with, a, with a gentleman. I don't know if you, you'll know him, uh, Raymond McBride. He's a oh, yeah, I do. Good he friend. does a lot of long exposures, doesn't he? Yeah, he's he's a fantastic gent as well. And he says, come on, Ali, come on, come on, let's get down to Mel's Beach. Anyway, he took me out to this one. And it was about two miles out. God. <laughs> oh, and I was getting a bit... Nervy. You're going out. I, you know, what happened What happened was you could see that there was no sea for miles and you could see the drop in the sand, a ridge. And this ridge must have been at least a 10-foot drop down to the wreck. And the wreck was covered in mussels and there was just all these stanchions. I've got, I've done a video for it. I've not finished it. I'll put it out yet or edited the images. Uh, I, let, I let him breathe for a bit, me. So this was about two weeks ago now. Uh, and I'm like, oh, is that tide coming? We're all right. I've got me tied up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're all right. Calm down. And it was a 0.8 meter tide. So it wasn't coming back for quite some time. But then a gentleman got on uh, on uh, YouTube and told me about the rule of 12. I don't know if you've heard of that. I'd no, never, I'd never heard of this about, uh, I don't know if I'm going to explain it right, but the idea of the, Every so many feet, the tide doubles, and come. So, so as it's coming in, an hour, and then two hours, and before you know it, it's it's a it's a big tide. So the coming back tide, which was well after sunset, was a nine meter tide. That's a bonny tide coming back. So, but we was fine, and we walked back at sunset, and it was beautiful. Oh, glorious place. Um, but like you say, that that planning, that that's about it for me. I, I quite like just letting things happen, you know, just nature or light. I'm not even bothered about sunsets and sunrises, to be fair. Well, I, I mean, I, I do, you know, I really do like early morning light. And I do yeah. like um, sunsets in particular situations. But... Equally, you know, I've taken good photos in overcast situations yeah. because it, it it depends. I mean, bright sunlight, okay, yeah, that's very hard to work in and yeah. light is harsh and the dynamic range is hard to work with and you can turn them into black and whites. But you're right, you know, depending on where you are, you see, I remember being at Morecambe once, so you'll know the beaches of Morecambe. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, I just took a few shots because again, it was it's the vastness, the complete vastness. Yes, um, yes. And it was sort of misty. Uh, and you know, that that was absolutely fine, even though it was somewhere like mid-afternoon, because it was basically showing this vast landscape, yeah. which I was not venturing out miles on, as I can assure you, or more. Oh no. <laughs> <coughs> me um but again you know um it captured that and there was a sort of one or two people that looked a bit sort of stick like larry like in it which was oh, quite lovely. nice but yeah. i just hadn't done that part of england a great deal and certainly where you are is an area that i haven't visited so you've given me some ideas tonight talking with you well if you come to the northwest give me a shout there's no oh, problem that would be will. great uh, because parts of uh, New Brighton, uh, the course there is wonderful. And um, I've never done it and I've looked at photos and it's uh, an area I'd really like to do. Yeah, the, it does not a lot. The, it depends what you're going for. If you're a long exposure photographer, there's some wonderful um, like groins or railings and metal. Yeah. And there's a lot of interest there. But, but but then you say about the vastness. I, I really love it when the I like chasing the tide out. Uh, if it's a big tide, I prefer to chase the tide out. I'm a wuss. <laughs> so, well, I don't blame you. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, you hear people saying about standing in it and all, and I, and I get that. I, I understand you do get the best shots if you know where the tide is, but I'm always fearful of it. And uh, there's, parts, um, there's parts at New Brighton there where uh, you can chase that you can see the the channels and the contributes get left behind and the texture and it's washed away all the marks and, and you're left with this smooth and ripply sand. And that I, for some, I'm, I'm really into that at the moment. I, 
I'm going to go back Saturday night and get a bit of respite. So at the moment we're decorating and what have you. So okay. <laughs> I'm going to run to the coast. Let's have a look at some more questions. Oh, this is an important question, this one. Okay. Uh, liberation. I have I haven't seen that and I was I was quite disappointed in myself because it is on your website but you've not it's not like something you'd have to go and find it in other words you'd have to to go to you know your your site and then I saw your YouTube video with your I, I guess it's your friend Caroline Evans uh, 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 the fine artist yeah the, the abstract artist painter a wonderful combination of of your photography and her paintings and the textures and the stones and I, I just spent quite a while looking at that where, where did that come from was that through what's happened with lockdown that you thought I've got I can't go to a gallery I can't make an exhibition I mean, that's exactly right, because what happened is that Caroline and I had an exhibition planned for Aubra in Suffolk, um, and we knew that it was going to be cancelled, and pretty soon we realised that it was going to be cancelled for a second year, Um, because to start with, none of us thought this was going to carry on, but then we all you know, clocked it, didn't we? And went, God, this is with us forever in some way or another. Um, So what we did is we cancelled them all because there's an awful lot of work in putting an exhibition together. So we then worked together with some of the work that she'd been doing at home. And we decided to call it Liberation because it was just beginning to start to open up. And, you know, the key to any exhibition, whether it is online or whether it's for real in a gallery, is the curation of the images. The images have to hang together. They have to work, you know. And we've always, we had an exhibition in Woodbridge, Suffolk, and we had, um, uh, we called it on landscape. But basically, when we put the work together, you know, the work was there to complement and contrast. And so that as you go round the gallery, you were sort of led by what you were seeing. You weren't going, oh God, that's really bright. Or, you you know, we had to get the thing to flow. And that's what I tried to do with reference to the online exhibition. I mean, Caroline um, had done a lot of work at home. Um, She's got a little studio where she lives. And so I got her to send me all of her work And then I worked, you know, to curate it, if you like, put it together in, I hope, a meaningful way. Oh, you did. It was beautiful. And exactly what you've said, the the flow between each image was perfect. I felt because you you got the textures, uh, Caroline's work early on. I wrote some down in a row. Oh no, these were yours. Pie is it pies mill images? Pies mill, yeah. Uh, but they're not in the exhibition. I wrote some others down here. Um oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, I remember saying this about where when I was looking at it, the first, one of the images uh, was like um a Paul, not it's not a Paul Klee. I can't think of the artist now. Uh it reminded me of the texture of, of say, uh, um, branches and mockled together, uh, com- uh, compressed or left decaying. Oh, yes. Was it a black and white image? A black and white one, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was I... taken in um, uh, outside of Nairn. Yes, I right. remember that image, yeah. That but was then a black the floor, and white. Yeah, the floor yeah. to the painting was wonderful. And then right. there was a, a, into a yellow, a yellow painting by Caroline, which uh, uh, fragmented uh, fragmented rocks. That was the one. Tumbling birch, winter tree, tumbling birch, uh, and then Caroline's fragmented rocks. And just sure. so it's really interesting that you say that you'd curated it because that part of the video, well, they all did, but that significant to me, uh, the, uh, uh, the the feeling and emotion of each image falling from one to the next and. Oh, brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And uh, I'm going to post that. When I do this, I'll share that link if that's okay. Oh, thank you. That's brilliant, yeah. And uh, put put the YouTube video on, on there and on yeah. the group as well because people should see it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It really is. Uh, I've mentioned about the chaos of trees here and enjoying uh, shooting woodland, but 
uh, your heart is most definitely landscape photography, but yeah, you, what is your favourite place to shoot? If you could go anywhere right now, where would it be? Well, the beaches of Scotland, you know, yeah. um, I'm pretty... I'm trying to think. Oh, I, to be fair, the beaches of Scotland and the beaches of Donegal Island. Wow. Um, absolutely fabulous. Uh, Donegal Island, um, I visited a couple of years ago. And what was so great is it was like Scotland before Scotland became overpopular. Yeah. So yeah. In Donegal, there were absolutely uh wonderful rock formations incredible light uh, uh that changed every four or five minutes coupled with rain of course yeah, but yeah, those yeah. places donegal and ireland i would really like to go back to when i can and there were that i went to malin in Donegal, when we all know Malin from the shipping forecast. Yes. You know, that we all hear the storm force in Malin. Malin yeah. And I expect You know it's coming. Yeah, but you know I it's coming. Hell. Yeah. Um, and the first time I visited, it was sort of moderate and I got some beautiful shots. And the second time I visited, again, they had like a summer's day there and walkers were sitting there in Malin, you know, eating their lunch. Yeah, but yeah. the coast on Malin, if, when you walk it, is so rugged and the storms in the winter must be incredible to witness. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I yeah. think you'd only be able to shoot that handheld because uh, the force of nature would be absolutely massive. So that's one place that I really like. And the yeah. other places in Scotland um, are obviously the Hebridean Islands, but I also really like parts of the Murray Firth, um, which people don't go to in Scotland no. a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't go because it hasn't got the mountainous backdrop. But in fact, I've done some wonderful photography in the Murray Firth, uh, Cove Bay, um, which yeah. is uh, near Forays, Nairn Beach, which is a huge, massive beach that has lots of tidal patterns on and fantastic dawns. So they are the places that I would probably most like to go to at this particular point in time. Yeah, Ireland is so so underrated and so left alone let's be quiet and not so yes, exactly don't let's <laughs> i was going i was going this year my good friend darren j spoonley lives over there um uh, yeah it, the wild At atlantic way as yeah. uh, he calls it and some of those places you know they talk about the faroe islands it's like no, Ireland, but, but, but what? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. wonderful. I can't wait to go. Can't wait to go. Well, my heritage is Irish. Uh, me, uh -huh. my, grand, my grandma's side's originally from uh, from Ireland. So, uh, yeah, uh, County Clare that way. Right. I, I remember, I'll tell you this quick story. I remember staying in a caravan once uh, in a place just outside of Clare. And it was raining and the sky was clear. And I'm like, what is going on? And it, this was the height of winter. And the, the wind was whipping the sea 50, 60 feet or whatever in the air and throwing it four or five miles yeah, in, yeah, yeah. inland. And the sky was clear and I was getting soaked. And I'm like, what is this? It was I've never, ever experienced anything quite like that. Where, no, the rain in Ireland can be something else, can't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, a couple more questions and then uh, I'll not keep you much longer, Ruth. Okay, so uh, we've we've gone on about Ireland. We see we've said most of this now, but what I've mentioned about uh, exhibitions here, I've wrote down about exhibitions. Sadly, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do anything. I, I normally go into a local exhibition in St Helens where I'm based, but have you got any plans? Is there anything in the in the works because I'd love to come and see some of your work printed. So well, what, what I've decided to do is that for this year, I'm leaving it entirely. It's like right. I was meant to go to France this year, but I've just left it because yeah. um, A, I don't think anything is certain and B, I think the travel chaos will just ruin it. You know, yeah. it's yeah. just best to be somewhere in the UK. 
So the plans for an exhibition would be really 2022. And I might well work with Caroline again, because I just think um, it gives you a different perspective if you work with an artist who's working in a different form. Yeah. Uh, and I also think for the visitors or the audience, then it's of interest to them um, to look at photography. I mean, one of the funniest things, when I had my first solo exhibition, somebody came along and said to me, oh, I really, really like your work, but have you got anything that would match my bathroom? And you know, I was dead, dead straight face because it's not for me to make um, some sort of snobby remark about she wants something to go into her bathroom. She said, yeah. any blues and pinks, for instance, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, you, I don't really get a lot of that in the sort of landscape photography that I do. You know, I'm sort of shooting lower light and drama. Oh, well, if you ever do any blues and pinks, then please let us know, you know? So I yeah. thank you very much, you know, and I had to laugh about it. but. The point I'm basically making is you never know who's going to come into an exhibition. Yes. And one of the things that I feel really passionate about is it's really important for us as photographers and artists to get people to like our work who are not photographers and artists. Ah, perfect. Who totally. can work in, who can yeah. walk in, sorry, and go, oh, I really like that. And, yeah. you know, I don't want, you know, some long, you know, complicated view about why you like it. You like it because you like it and yeah. you want to buy it or you want to look at it more. That's OK. If you want to analyse it further than that, by all means. But I'm not one for mystifying the process do, do you see what i'm saying i totally see what you're saying so the woman with her pinks and the blues in the bathroom didn't get anything <laughs> but absolutely if you want to ask me about those things that's absolutely fine i'm not going to make a judgment about it yeah but that desire is lovely oh i'd love the blue in that i think that's fantastic you know, someone has got that connection to a piece of photography because they they love it. Um, that for me is is oh game over. I've done it. If someone and, says that and they're not a photographer as well, it's very yeah, and, important. And that's the other thing: the people that bought in the first exhibition, a I wouldn't have um, guessed they would have been the people to have bought. Yeah. I mean, a price very reasonably. Um, because I also think, well, you know, I'm not such a great famous artist that I have to price myself out of, you know, um, people's ordinary sort of budgets. I, I can still make a profit and at the same time, people can still purchase. I think that's quite important. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really really important not to think oh all those people somebody once said to me um and I won't mention who but somebody once said to me well there are certain people I don't want to come to my exhibition oh exactly now that is the exact opposite of how yeah. I work so if somebody comes in and somebody you know somebody says you know how do you get that effect with the sea and I say, well, I use these filters and what that does is it slows it down and that creates this sort of long exposure, which gives you these textures. Fine. Let's talk about how it's done. Don't let's mystify. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And do you know what? When there's so they're so uh, happy about that, uh, I had a gentleman ask me about a long exposure. And when I explained to him the process of how I'd done it, he was he was he was filled with joy. He was proper yeah. chuffed. He yeah. was like, "Oh right, I'll go on that." It, it, it was just great that the fact that he'd learned something to us we take for granted because we've yeah. we've learned it. That's right. That's it. And I had another piece of work, and I don't do a great deal of intentional camera movement. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, I do. It depends on the textures and the colours. But I had a piece that had been done at Beaudal Black Bay in Northumberland, and his wife said, "Well, my husband's absolutely obsessed with this piece and wants to buy it." And I said, "All oh, good." And she said, "How have you done it?" And I explained how I did it. And she said, "Guess where my husband is now? He's at Southwold Beach, <laughs> moving his camera about, trying to do the same." thing and I thought well good 
yeah that's good yeah you know uh, don't let's make this and a sort of elitist you oh, know where only certain people can participate let's get everybody in who's got all sorts of different views some that you're going to like and some that you're not going to like yeah and some who've got a broad accent like me yeah. <laughs> uh, no sometimes i do think that it is very elitist but it is in all walks of life isn't it you they want to keep it for themselves and I think to share it, if it inspires someone, like you've said, that gentleman went on the beach and he's doing that with his camera, you never know. He might, he might make something that it just... Exactly. And he's wow. enjoyed it, hasn't he? Yeah. Because it's... that's the other basic premise, really, about my photography, is please do not do it if you don't enjoy it. Yeah. You know, if you don't enjoy being in the landscape in all the weathers that are thrown at you, don't go and do it. Don't go and do it because you think you're going to get this, you know, fabulous set of photos. I mean, you know, the famous Ansel Adams quote, 12 photos a year is, is good. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We all know that. And, you know, I know I've come back from Hans Sanson and I've got, you know, three or four that I'm really, really, really pleased with. And there'll probably be a couple more. But I didn't just go for that. I went because it was great. A, to go somewhere different in these times, and B, you know, to be out in the landscape again. Fresh air, yeah, to be in nature, fresh yeah, air. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the sounds and everything is very important to me. I think the sound uh, and the quiet, you know, even if there's kids playing and what have you, there's a, there's a collection of sounds to each place you go to. And, and I'm getting more into that, uh, the, what, what you hear when you're shooting. Mm -hmm. um less of me talking right. as well i do talk a lot on on the videos um but i've started uh, i don't know what's going on actually I, I, but i've started just recording uh, audio if i use it or not and right. using it as a bed uh, or having it come in and out and and right. just to have some kind of sounds there whether it be the wind or just gentle bird sound in the background like oh, well, that's nice yeah, well, it's there, isn't it? it it's a yeah, natural. Yeah, that that's the whole part of it. When why we go, and if people are just hearing me rabbiting on, they're not actually getting a true representation of of why I love it so much. And mm -hmm. like yourself, you know. Um, so I've asked. I asked about the exhibition because I'd love. I'd love to come and, and see your okay, work. Well, I'll certainly printed. keep informed if we go yeah. ahead. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. Um, what other projects have you got lined up? Have you got anything? Are you just going to keep shooting, keep going out for now? And do as okay, much as well, you can? this this year, the the two um, projects that you know I really want to come off um, is I'm going back to Harris and Lewis. So I've got a week on each in October. And I really, really, really hope that that comes off. Yeah. And one of the things I want to explore there is um, I want to explore doing some more work that I'm going to work in black and whites only with when I get them back. I want to actually go and try and visualize. Um, it's always harder than, than people think yeah. to, to visualize the landscape so that they can be processed and printed in black and white that's that's one part of the um that what i want to do and there is this possibility that i might get to iceland in december oh, wow oh, and i've never been to iceland and right. somebody said oh it's really busy it's too many people and i felt like saying well i don't really care yeah. actually this time because actually I've never been yeah. and I'd be quite interested to see you know how it works or it doesn't work but who knows Mally I mean I'm not one of those people that's going to spend 10 hours at the airport being tested and retested that's not me no. um you know I'm, I'm not 25 I can't do that anymore um but those two projects are the projects that um I really would like to accomplish this year yeah, I hope you do. That'd be wonderful. Scotland, most definitely. I'm sure oh, yeah. you'll. I'm sure you'll nail that in October. That yeah, might be. That might be when I'm going. So I'll look out for you. Just listen. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> you'll hear definitely. me shouting somewhere because I know that I'll be very excited when I get. Oh there. yeah, you will.
Thank you very much, Ruth. Okay. An absolute pleasure to talk to you. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, I have, and it's been a pleasure to talk with you as well. Thank you for asking me, and um, I look forward to seeing the final result. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you've enjoyed this and all of the episodes that I've put out this year. We're now at the end of Series 1, and as I said at the beginning, I hope to hear you, think, see you, hear you, for Series 2. And I'd just like to say a few quick words and thanks to everyone who has listened, everyone that has shared and joined me on this podcast, and a huge thanks to Gavin Aircastle, Adam Gibbs, Nick Livesey, Paul G. Johnson, Stuart McLennan, Gary Goff, Thomas Heaton, Black Crag, Darren J. Spoonley, Stuart Graham, and of course, to finish this series, the wonderful Ruth Grindrod. So I'll see thee for Series 2. See there.